Now, for the life of me, I simply cannot fathom the injustices that have taken place in our national capital where certain patriots were deceived and they were premeditatively lured into the Capitol building on that dark day of January 6, 2021. I consider this actually to be one of the darkest actions ever taken by the darkest actors present in our completely defiled government that now consists of a bunch of spineless globalists and Democrats and Republicans in name only. And remember, they are the majority of the Republicans, as well as their filthy little minions, including the FBI, the CIA, and all of the other villainous three-letter government organizations that now actually seek to destroy our free nation. While many of us actually have been harshly persecuted already through the course of the present coup in progress, and remember, it is ongoing, the January 6th prisoners actually have suffered like no others in that they have been denied the most basic of human rights, including life and liberty, and they have been shamefully placed on stage to show the entire world how utterly disgusting and corrupt this Obama-Biden regime really is. Today, I welcome a special guest, Ms. Kelly Wild, who got my attention some time back because she actually made some noise and she took action to defend these hostages of our pathetic federal government. Kelly has been very vocal. She's been a vocal advocate for these abused prisoners. If you are not angry when you hear the details that she will share with us today, then you simply aren't human. Kelly has been a strong voice for these victims, and they truly are victims of the globalist Democrat system. Her message needs to be made common knowledge across our land, and it should incite us to action. Kelly, I welcome you today with open arms, and I do thank you for joining me today on behalf of these prisoners. Thank you so much, Dr. LaTulip. I really appreciate it, and I know they do too. I am honored to have you with me. Now, before we start, Kelly, I've got some good questions for you, and I know you've got some great answers, but I'd like to set the stage for this show today. Remember, Uh, dear listeners, that the 2020 presidential election had just taken place and the election was stolen. And this is beyond all doubt right now. The evidence has proven that. And if you have not yet seen the movie 2000 Mules produced by Dinesh D'Souza, you need to do that. Of course, the left is going to do all that they can to censor this movie and to hide the truth from the dormant masses, and that has been our challenge. However, the truth cannot be hidden, and the masses are waking up. But after the treasonous act of stealing an election, a group of patriots amassed on the steps of our nation's capital to peaceably petition the government for a redress, which is an appeal to remedy or to correct 
they wanted a redress of their grievances. And the grievance, of course, was the criminal activity that robbed the American people of our free republic. So let's keep that in the forefront of our minds. The, they represented every true-blooded American citizen. And for the first time in American history, the United States of America does not have an elected president. And that crime in one swoop effectually ended our free republic. Now, we suddenly have become a dictatorship, one nation under totalitarian rule. And that simply is not acceptable to you, hopefully. And I hope it is not acceptable to anybody across America. You see, the only way to divert attention away from the crime, and Democrats are very skilled at doing this, is to accuse President Trump of insurrection. And this is the very act committed by the evil Democrat Party. So as a result of this un underhanded and unabashed maneuver by these sewer rats, some good American citizens were taken captive in their own land and made an example out of for the sake of preventing another free speech outburst by we, the people. The whole purpose of this charade was to silence anyone who would demand their constitutional rights. And that's the scenario today. That's why the January 6th prisoners are still being abused and tormented. So I have to ask you, Kelly, at what moment did you actually decide to act on their behalf? What inspired you? I think you summarized what's really going on here very well. And I really appreciate that because obviously there's been a lot of misreported information and I think faulty understanding. Um, so I was actually at a Stop the Steal rally. Um, so I know that you will relate to the magic of those experiences. And I Ooh, met yes. um, a, a like-minded patriot who, um, although we were both in D.C. at the time, we both loved Nashville and we both uh, loved ancient Asian philosophy. And we just really hit it off. It was I walked out of that uh, Stop the Steel rally and I called my mom, who was at the original Woodstock in 1969. And I said, Mom, this was like Woodstock for patriots because it was like I, hundreds of thousands of people and flags and peace and love. And and I met this fellow that I just clicked with and um, we became very fast friends and we started um, we started a courtship and um, I was planning actually on attending the rally in January. Um, he was there and he went and um, as the story unfolds, he is one of the now 37 detainees in the D.C. jail uh, for the last 460 days uh, without any due process and inside of these horrible conditions that I'm sure we'll go over. But at first, uh, obviously, I was just shocked and I, am, I have no experience with the justice system and I had no idea what was going on. I think all of the family members were very scared and confused and obviously really normal people who don't have um, unlimited resources and um, eventually the fright sort of turned into, I mean, so much time was going by. We all just started to 
kind of come out of the woodwork and connect with each other. And we started to form a little bit of a support group. And um, I'd say, I don't remember exactly when the first story I wrote was, but so my boyfriend is, um, his name is John Mellis. And John would have, John was actually one of the first people to write a letter um, that was published on the Gateway Pundit about the conditions um, that were happening. So actually he, uh, he really, well, we'll go into uh, all the due process, I'm, sh I'm sure, later, but I will say that for no reason, just out of the blue, he was taken out of the regular pod and he was put into what they call the hole, which is extreme isolation. You don't um, even get out of your cell for the entire weekend, so that's 46 hours straight inside of your cell. On the weekends, you don't have any contact with any human beings. You're fed through a tray slot, and there's no wreck. I mean, it's, it's a real hell. And he had been put in there for 30 days with no reason, and he didn't understand it. And he was starting to just go crazy. And at the same time, he had a public defender assigned to him who um, was very uh, difficult throughout the entire situation. Um, John was uh, as understanding as he could be, but they were in a private meeting one time. And he said that Roseanne Boyland, who was murdered by police, um, she was bludgeoned in the head. Um, and we can go into the specifics of that later. Roseanne Boylan deserved what she got. And John was a witness to that murder and he was traumatized by it and still hasn't had a chance to recover from the, just being up close on in this horrible scene. And he was so disgusted by what this man said that he, he just, he fired him on the spot and he had to figure out what to do. And Kara Castronova, who is an intrepid reporter who started a group called the Citizens Against Political Persecution, um, was like, well, why don't you just write about you being in, in the hole? And so he did. And um, the Gateway Pundit audience is so supportive that he was able to raise enough money to hire a private attorney. But anyway, we sort of realized that this was a really good way of A, getting guys who can't afford lawyers um, fundraising money, but B, getting their stories out because nobody is saying what is really going on, either what happened to them that day right. and why they're in jail or what's happening, um, you know, in the c conditions inside the jail. So that's how okay, it all began. So this was, yeah, so this was a very personal thing for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a, I'm kind of like a family member, I would say. Okay. And I've gotten to know the family members very well. Um, we're, we're in um, support groups where we actively communicate with each other, share info for lawyers and try to figure okay. out how can we get, you know, get our stories told. Okay. Now, listen, I have to tell my listeners this. When I reached out to Kelly, she responded enthusiastically and she asked me what angle would be compelling for this show. And so, Kelly, you mentioned as a list of topics, possible topics, prosecutorial misconduct, judicial jockeying, jail treatment, rights violations, case details, jury outcomes, or sentencing, or something else. And my first thought was, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I want to discuss it all, but it shows you how much this woman knows about the topic and just how dirty are these criminal actors. And I have so much compassion for these patriots. I mean, I'll admit it. I'm downright angry at what has happened with them. And yeah. I, I want their story told in their entirety because I want them to be freed right now. I am angry because they are, in essence, prisoners of war in their own country, being betrayed by their own country. So 
I might yeah. just have to ask Kelly to return for another show if we can't cover uh, all of these topics today. So let me get into it. So let's just begin with that first subject that you mentioned, Kelly. Okay. What exactly is prosecutorial misconduct and how does it apply to these prisoners? Ooh, okay. So, and I will say, I know a lot, but I don't know it all. And because it is so comprehensive, there's so much going on in so many angles, hundreds of people um, are affected and in so many different ways. And so I have my angle, but I, I know okay, that there's just more you know, that's out in there. Your own, yeah. In your own, yeah, opinion, sure. no, I will. try to simplify it for us and tell us what's going on. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I just want to just piggyback really quickly before I answer on uh, what you said about how angry you are. And I think we all should be because I am telling you, these are honorable men. There are some people that are, maybe they've got a screw loose and um, you know, they broke windows and they shouldn't have or whatever, but most of these men um, and, and you know, I can go into specific cases and I'd, I'd love to, because um, you know, they were like other people that were around the Roseanne Boylan situation retired sheriff's deputy that was just trying to get her body out to give her cpr uh you know uh, u.s marines green beret special forces business owners good samaritans who've never committed a crime in their life who are very civically engaged and uh, one fellow who said we're not crazy we're just painfully aware and that's the reality these people care so much about their country that's why they showed up that day and they unfortunately got in traps but we should be very very angry because these are people that love our country and have supported our country and been good uh, citizens of it for their whole lives. So prosecutorial misconduct. Okay. So um, I, I, I have no background in the legal system. And so I'm learning everything as I go. And um, I, one of the more interesting parts of my experience has been, um, so John's judge is Judge Emmett Sullivan, who is, um, people have maybe some concerns about how he handled the General Flynn situation. But before that, he was um, part of the special, he hired a special counsel to investigate this DOJ um, misconduct um, of the um, persecution, basically political assassination of the Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska, who uh, they withheld evidence and they completely smeared him. And not only did they ruin his election campaign, but that actually tilted the majority of the Senate at the time so that it was a Democratic majority. And although Emmett Sullivan is a Howard graduate, uh, Howard Law graduate as well, um, appointed by, I believe, uh, Bill Clinton, he was going after this misconduct because he found it to be so appalling. Um, and it seems very nonpartisan to me. And he was actually part of um, it, um, in you know, making sure that the Brady Act was upheld, which basically says that you as prosecutor are under an obligation to give any evidence that you have um, to both parties. And if you're found to be withholding it, then the case should be dismissed. So um, in many instances, in many cases, prosecutors are either downright lying or presenting faulty information and then going back and saying, oops, sorry, uh, you know, sorry, let's take that back. Sometimes that faulty information is actually used as a, an, a reason to appeal. Maybe if um, a local magistrate judge had ordered the the prisoner, the defendant released, these prosecutors will use appeals to try to get them to stay in based on false premises. So I can give you uh, several very specific examples. There's one fellow named um, Ethan Nordine, and um, he, he was ordered released by his local 
magistrate. I actually can't remember where he is, but I believe he's up in the Northwest. He might be a Washington resident. Can't remember right now. But anyway, they tried three different times to revoke uh, the release and they actually succeeded. He's now in Northern Neck. Um, but I, honestly, um, there's so much lying that I can't believe the judge actually went for it. So um, first of all, they said he was using encrypted chats to conspire throughout the day, but the um, defense showed that his phone was dead for the entire day. So um, not only did they know that that was false, but they withheld that information. <laughs> um, and once they were questioned by the court, they actually finally admitted that that was completely false. They also said that he um, used some kind of ham radio to communicate with others during the protest. and. Um, uh, Mr. Nordin showed a receipt from Amazon that said it was delivered on January 7th to his residents across the country. So again, they knew that was false. And they will, um, in his case, and I can um, tell you in many other cases, they will use a passive voice to say what happened that day. And um, it, it insinuates that it has something to do with this specific defendant in this specific case, but it does not. So they say all these brutal attacks or all this property damage when these defendants were not the responsible party for any attacks or any property damage. Um, they also will take still images and they will use that still image to uh, have uh, some sort of justification for it, maybe like an assault of an officer charge. And I'll say specifically James McGrew, who is a retired combat veteran, a Marine who lost, I'd say like, I think his mom said 70% of his hearing from an IED going off next to his head. And just for some more background about this man, he, he after that bomb went off by him, they pumped him full of opioids and said, you're fine, you're fine. Put him back on the uh, battlefield for five months. They realized he's not fine. He had to come home, have four or five surgeries. And then he had an opioid addiction. So, I mean, he gave everything, it ruined his life. He couldn't get treatment and, um, you know, he gave everything to his country. And so here he is now in the next round of his country, just sucking the soul out of him. But the prosecutors had a still image of him where his hands were up. And according to court documents, it looked like he was part of a group of people that was, I don't know, holding some sort of medical med mental barricade over their head and heaving it or something like that. And when the defense finally implored the court to play the video, it was very clear that it was just a weird angle in the photo. He was nowhere near it. He didn't touch it. And so the court had to formally revoke their charge against him for that. Um, Okay, so I, have, I, I think we get the picture. Prosecutorial yeah. misconduct is kind of like you said, a, a political assassination. They withhold evidence. They lie. They falsify accusations. They misrepresent. What you're saying is they are disinformers. And a disinformer is a malicious misinformer. And that's exactly how they operate. And that's how they uh, do battle with righteous people because of their propaganda. These people are experts at deception. And that is Absolutely. disgusting. Absolutely. Right. Disgusting. It's not justice for them. It's blood. I mean, they don't care about what's true. They care about winning and keeping these men and destroying their lives. That's yes. how it feels. Okay. So you mentioned that these prisoners' rights have been violated. I think that Anybody who knows anything about the truth of this whole matter, we see that. But first of all, can you actually define how these specific individuals were prosecuted or targeted for prosecution? In other words, was everyone who entered the Capitol building arrested and detained? Or was there some kind of selection process for deciding who would be in prison? 
I don't, I can't tell. I don't know because I know that there are people that were with some of the defendants who are still detained, for example, that um, FBI would have known that they were with them. Um, and they, those people are uh, free. A couple people's moms who are with them. I don't know who goes to insurrect the government with their mom, but that's a whole other story. Um, and I know that there have been some expose, exposing, um, you know, in, uh, investigative reports by people like Stop Hate or Taylor Hansen, who has a pretty good subsec um, that says that there are maybe, I don't know, 80 or so um, people that were very much um, instigating or encouraging any kind of riotous behavior or violence. And those people are not being prosecuted either. Um, so I, I don't know if it's because the, F, the FBI, the DOJ, they haven't actually identified the people yet. And so they're, um, they're getting around to it or um, if they just want to make examples of enough people or what. I, I don't actually know how they've decided to go after some people and how they haven't. And some of the people who are being detained still, which pretrial detention is the exception and not the norm or should be, some of those people only committed property damage or didn't commit any property damage or violent crime at all. But they were actually sort of like glorified trespassers. Sure, so right. why those people are being denied bond, I don't understand. Well, I wish I know. knew. Right. Well, we have one prime example of that. Uh, Dr. Simone Gold, who is the president and founder of American Frontline Doctors. Now, she was actually bullied by the FBI. They stormed her house uh, and she was basically raided, detained for a couple of days, uh, intimidated and threatened. But then she was released. And since then, she and she went in there just speaking about the atrocities going on related to COVID because that was her <laughs> right. issue. But um, I mean, here's a woman, she also is uh, an attorney. So she's a medical doctor and an attorney. And do you know, just re recently, she actually was not put in jail and she had was forced to settle for a misdemeanor uh, so that she would not be charged with a felony. And of course she did wow. nothing wrong whatsoever. She's just like you described kind of one of these sweet, innocent people who took an opportunity uh, being in there going, just following the crowd. And that happened to her because she was a somebody and they want to make an example right. out of you, I believe. So I, I saw her interview about how she feels that she has PTSD from the FBI raid and they did that to everybody, even people that were very much cooperating and very available to the FBI. Um, they could have very easily just called them in and told them to surrender and they would have, but they made an absolute scene and they traumatized these people and they sent, you know, child protective services and 15 drones and laser pointers and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I yes. really appreciated her interview though, because it helps people understand. It's not just like, Hala, we got arrested. No, they, they traumatized the hell out of you. And I, even though I understand that taking a misdemeanor plea is the ideal in a situation like this, I, I don't know who invented the term of lawfare, but a lot of these people are such normal people that have, you know, children that they have to spend their paycheck supporting. And maybe they had equity in their home that they were going to use to pay for a college education. Now they've got to pay to get a lawyer to settle for some bogus misdemeanor. Exactly right. And they want you put into that situation. They love and it. so exactly. to avoid total crisis in your life, people will settle. And that's what I think is happening to a good number of these people and will probably see see more of it, but ultimately right. they are victims.
we what we're seeing and we see this um, in many specialties, even, you know, among judges, uh, the judicial branch has been so wishy-washy or so bipolar. And we see the same thing in medicine. And what I I guess the way that I would put it most simply is that we have these adults in highly responsible positions that are acting like children, irresponsible little children. And I think that really what's going on is more deception. They know what they're doing. They know what they're saying. They're trying to act naive and ignorance uh, for such a thing as judicial jockeying, make these people look bad before they ever get to court. And of course, that's going to influence the case in a big way. Do you actually feel, Kelly, that any of these arrests were actually justified? I mean, are there people there that did things that they shouldn't have done and all things considered, even regarding the FBI setup uh, and the welcoming of these people into the Capitol building? Is there anyone who is in, in jail right now that doesn't belong there or that does belong there? I believe there are a lot of people that are in jail that do not belong there. And I can go into everybody, especially the uh, DC Gitmo, as we call them. Um, and there are other men who are across the country in various places. There's a pocket in Pennsylvania, another in Virginia, and then just sprinkled throughout. And a lot of these men, as I just mentioned, haven't didn't actually commit violence or property damage, but are being denied bond when we have murderers who are given bond. Um, I saw in Tennessee, in Davidson County, now I know it's not the federal government, but an illegal immigrant was, raped his toddler and gave her a, a venereal disease and was offered a bond. The Waukesha killer from who killed eight people and injured many more was offered a bond. I don't know if he bonded out, but he was given one. And John, John Mellis has been in jail for 460 days today. He hasn't even had a bond hearing and he has never waived his right to one. It's been either it was never scheduled by his public defender or something. Uh, it, he really, he got lost in the system, but since the private attorney came in, they've just canceled and postponed the um, hearing f at least four times now. So the next one is scheduled for June 3rd, but 460 days without a bond hearing. This man could very well have been extremely innocent and he's been held over a year now without even a chance to be um, to be released. And actually, in his case, his father is a Purple Heart veteran um, of the Vietnam War and the Korean War who gave his entire life to uh, civic service. And he passed away last Mar last May. And John applied for an emergency release for the weekend to go to the funeral. And they denied that. And then it's been a full year, actually, as of last week that he hasn't even he hasn't even seen the faces of anyone that he loves, but he didn't get to say goodbye to his dad. So um, I, a lot of people don't deserve to be in there. And they are um, for reasons that I don't exactly understand. I have run into some cases that, I mean, you know, I'll cringe when I hear some of the words that were said. Sometimes, you know, it felt like there was some locker room talk where the men were like, oh, we're going to get him or we're going to drag him out there. I mean, I wouldn't want that played, you know, at my eulogy. But is it do men say those things when they're, you know, hyped up? I mean, OK, I wouldn't, you know, want my kids to be <laughs> saying dumb things like that. Um, but right. I, no, I can't imagine being 
denied your rights because you said things and it wasn't even like murder threats. It was just, right. you know, it, just that, yeah, rough it's language. testosterone talking, Kelly. And, and the yeah. fact that you can recognize it shows me that you are wiser than a lot of people uh, because <laughs> you are absolutely right. I mean, when guys get together, I mean, we have to communicate the way men communicate. And, uh, you know, I don't buy into any of this nonsense of, of all the sexual perversion. We are males and females, and we act according to our genetic makeup. And that's, and, and if we don't, uh, there's some miswiring that has taken place in the brain. But you're exactly right. Um, I think that these people, like you, you've mentioned how many different people now retired, you know, a former Marine, uh, people who are upstanding citizens who have done tremendously good things. But the, the truth is all of those great things, if you have done something good, like you're a doctor, you're a veteran, retired military or whatever it is, or you've been on the police force and you have done something to make America better in mm -hmm. the eyes of the Democrat um, regime, that's a liability. That is not an asset. And therefore you must be punished for doing something noble and good for your country. And that's the way it feels uh, for every one of these people, I'm sure, that they- Absolutely. Yeah, so anyway, uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll come right back and get into more of this discussion, um, exposing the real story of the January 6th prisoners. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, -E -L -L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. 
brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip and my guest, Ms. Kelly Wild. This show broadcasts on Saturday and Sunday at 12 and 5 Eastern Time. It then goes to podcast on America Out Loud. You can get there by uh, going to americaoutloud.com where you can access all my prior podcasts as well as my weekly columns. All of our team members, remember, are God-fearing, country-loving patriots who don't shy away from sharing with you the naked truth of what is happening right now in America. Well, we've been talking about the absolutely horrendous abuses currently taking place within our own American judicial system. And because of this political debauchery, good American citizens are greatly suffering, having been denied their civil rights, having their God-given individual rights, and every aspect of common human decency being taken away from them. This has to stop. We somehow have to take on the, the appeal of these victims. Kelly Wilde has been a watchman blowing the trumpet to expose this criminal activity. And we must heed this warning because if it happens to them, don't think for a second that it could not happen to you. It could. Well, Kelly, you mentioned to me that you've had direct contact with each of the families of these prisoners, and this includes spouses, children, parents, and other relatives. I'm sure you've heard some unimaginable stories from these family members, and you've already shared a couple of those things. What I'd like to do in the second part of the show is actually just to reveal the details of what life is really like in the jail cells. So on a day-to-day basis, how are these detainees being treated, Kelly? So um, over the last few, I'd say the last 
three or four months, things have been somewhat better. There was a lot of attention that came from Marjorie Taylor Greene's visit. And so they've been out of their cells for a bit longer. But um, for the majority of the last year and a half, they've been in 22 to 23 hour lockdown inside of their cell. So they're inside of the cell for 23 hours a day. Um, if they have any kind of... Um, they get moved around a lot or sometimes, um, I don't know, someone will test positive for COVID or something. And so they'll put them in the cell for a full week. They don't get to shower or they certainly don't get to shave. They haven't been able to shave. Um, I don't know why they're saying it's related to COVID, but um, again, a lot of this has gotten a, a bit better in the last couple of months. So I believe shaves are, have been offered now, but imagine being 12 months, you have to go show up at the jail. You haven't showered or you haven't shaved your head. And, um, you know, they only had one nail clipper that was getting passed around. Um, the, the facility itself is actually so disgusting that when Marjorie Taylor Greene raised havoc, they got the marshals to come in and they condemned the entire rest of the jail. The, all those 400 or so inmates were removed and they were placed in a Pennsylvania facility. But the day before the marshals came, they painted the walls and everything of the the Patriot pod is what they call it. And so it barely passed inspection. But there's been many instances where the fecal matter from the toilets will overflow into the, you know, cell areas that they have to cl clean it up and they get mold that comes out of their sinks. Um, the food that they get, and this is pretrial detention, these people are considered innocent until proven otherwise, um, often doesn't have any kind of protein in it. So they'll get um, like, like it was like four pieces of white bread, um, a packet of tartar sauce, and I don't know, a cookie or something like that, which is, it's just, people cannot survive on that. So that's another expense. You have to sort of buy commissary food, which is, is that, just packaged Is that ongoing noodles. right now, Kelly? Yeah. I mean, now sometimes they'll get bologna, but it's like John will say, it's kind of gray. And one, one day after the marshals ended up coming in for an inspection, they said that their food smelled like taste, uh, cleaning chemicals. And so they tried to keep it as a sample, but I, yeah, I don't know who they can tell because there's a very broken grievance system. If you write a grievance, it doesn't go anywhere and you'll get punished. So that's, you know, part, part of this whole, like throwing people in the hole. The hole is the very extreme isolation I mentioned before. And they have been throwing people in there like you wouldn't believe in in the United Nations Mandela laws. If any if anyone is held in solitary confinement for more than 14 days, it is considered cruel and unusual uh, treatment. And, and frankly, 23 hour lockdown in a cell pretty much is solitary confinement. Um, you have one hour to shower, call your family and do anything you need to do outside of it. But um, these men have been thrown in the hole for 80 plus days. There's one fellow actually who's still in the hole for nothing violent at all. They just take you out and they just put you in. And he didn't uh, assault anyone or destroy any property or steal anything. So the fact that he's in this type of isolation that is so psychologically damaging, it's not doing anything to make our country better. And the whole point of the penal system is not to make these people more radicalized and crazy. It's definitely it's it's they're, they're they're it's designed to hurt them they didn't go outside for example for five months i remember when john told me the first time that they had an outdoor rec was about five months after they had been in solitary confinement in their cells and he said grown men were crying just to see the blue sky um i yeah i, I it's it's very bad <laughs> it's abusive it's downright 
Yeah, yeah, it's abuse. I mean, they sing the national anthem every single night at 9 p.m. in solidarity. And then on occasion, they would sing God Bless America or something after just to, you know, have a round of, of fun. And one of the guards came in with his um, uh, camera off and he said, F America and F your honky religion, he said. Um, and another time a guard came in in the middle of the night, um, it was an argument over toilet paper. Uh, I guess you need to ask for toilet paper when you need it. And Ryan Samsel asked for toilet paper and they took a very long time, like an hour to get him any toilet paper. And so I don't know if they exchanged words, but, um, the guard came in with his camera off and beat this guy up so badly that his, uh, eye socket was fractured and his retina detached from it. He was removed from the facility and transferred to another one. And he might have some permanent, blindness or some kind of damage. Um, and they do that. They just come in and they get rough and there's no reason. These men are the most well-behaved men that they've ever had in that pod. The, the director herself, Kathleen Landerkin, said on Twitter very public things about F everyone that supports Trump. I can't wait till you're all extinct. White men are more dangerous than immigrants, she said. Um, and she's the deputy warden of the jail in charge of taking care of these guys. So you can only imagine how much they hate them. And I believe what John will tell me is they will come in hating, hating the guts of these men. And th after a few weeks, um, they will love them and they will win everybody over. So um, sometimes they have to transfer one of these guards out if they get too nice because they're such good men that, I mean, they realize, I think, once they get face to face with them, um, in certain ways, they're winning hearts and minds. Now, Kelly, what you just described I mean, you're talking about immoral, unethical, and completely unconstitutional behavior. Now, we yes. are talking about the United States of America. I mean, they were in the D.C. Gulag for that time. They're now relocated to Pennsylvania. Would you please uh, suggest how these prison guards, security guards, are actually getting away with this kind of behavior? Yeah, I, I don't know. And um, not only can we say this is the United States of America, it's all the while they're being denied due process. Like I've said, they're heroic men, never committed a crime in their life. They're not allowed. They don't want to waive their right to speedy trial. And even if they protest, they don't have a choice. So they have to waive their right to speedy trial and um, and um, suffer in these conditions no matter what. I don't know. I don't know how the jail is getting away with it. All of the family members and all of the supporters that we have on our all our channels, we call all of our representatives and we call the U.S. Marshals who are in charge of doing these um, kind of uh, like uh, inspections. And they're sort of like ho-hum. I mean, what I think what I think I'm realizing. So D.C. obviously hates these guys. But in general, I believe that the criminal justice system is this appalling, is this horrendous. And it's kind of this bipartisan coming together of, OK, this is really, really bad. This is not working. There's no oversight. Nobody's doing their job. This is torture and it's not making our world a better place, just costing the taxpayers lots of money. So if there's a silver lining in anything that they've gone through, it's that these men care enough and are capable enough to get attention to something to fix it. Like I said, when they got the marshals in there for the inspection, they condemned it for 400 men who got to move out of there and go to a place which has better food. It has its own issues. But I mean, it, it wasn't just like the deplorable, horrendous conditions that these guys are in. I wish I knew why they're getting away with it. That's the thing. We look at everybody in charge of helping us and they don't either they don't want to help us for political reasons or they don't want to help us for maybe their own ideological reasons, but they're not doing their jobs, which would either be the judges to uphold justice or the representatives to tell us what we can do to protect our rights. But your guess is as good as mine. Okay, well, well, my guess is this. 
if the FBI has been involved in this kind of activity in staging this so-called insurrection in cahoots with uh, the political party that is now ruling, I would suspect that anybody beneath them is going to have free license to do uh, whatever it takes to accomplish that evil agenda. And I think that is what is going on. I mean, these people, these prison guards, they have names. They should be held accountable, but I've never heard of any specific name of a prison guard and I've never seen any one of their individual pictures. And I don't think we will. I mean, I think they are going to be highly protected by the corrupt, completely corrupt FBI and, uh, you know, all the other government agencies, they're all in this together in this coup against America. How many? Well, it's just like mm -hmm, the the officers who killed they used excessive force that resulted in the deaths of five people that day. One of them that's very close to me in my situation with John is Roseanne Boyland with uh, for body force experts saying that there's nothing in the police training manuals that says that you are um, you know, allowed to hit someone on the head, with strike someone on the head that is outside of the bounds of training. And the toxicology report, the medical examiner ruled was a um, uh, overdose of Adderall. Um, other people who are nurses say there's nothing that's toxic about the levels of anything that was in her system. In fact, it was actually some sort of deprivation of, of air. I don't know, whatever. She got trampled first and then the officer started to beat on her while she was just prone on the ground, not moving. So, I mean, the fact that the police department ruled that objectively reasonable and is moving along, just brushing it under the table and the unprovoked flashbangs, there was just cr crowds of people were just standing there milling around, praying and singing. And they started to throw flashbangs at these people, which is what triggered a heart attack or, and the other fellow, I don't remember if it was a heart attack or a stroke, but triggered these people to need medical attention. These people died. So these nothing is being discussed. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners who are familiar with Jan 6 know about the Ashley Babbitt fellow who was being celebrated with Lester Holt about such a hero protecting this country. She was an unarmed veteran who was, okay, fine. She was trespassing, but to just shoot her to kill her. I mean, that's not acceptable at all. And it wouldn't have been if it was the political parties were reversed. So yeah, you're right. It's just incredible to watch them get away with it. Exactly. That was truly a murder, what took yeah. place there. And that is the only person who I know of that's been really exposed in any big way. And he's running scot-free. I mean, this is yeah. an atrocity that is happening. How many prisoners remain now behind bars, Kelly, did you say? So the numbers fluctuate because there are more that come in, but there are, I believe it's 39, 37 or 39 that are in the DC jail. There's probably about eight that are in the Lewisburg, Pennsylvania facility, probably about eight in Northern Neck um, in Virginia, another five in um, Pinellas County, I think in Florida, and then a few that are just randomly kind of sprinkled throughout. So I'd say about 70 um, are being detained still to this day. Okay. And how many are actually serving prison sentences right now? Do you know that? I'm not aware. Um, I would say, I mean, I'd say less than 
10, I think all of them have been plea deals and it, with any convictions from jury trials, um, we're waiting on sentencing. So um, I, I know there are about four or five that took some pretty harsh sentences for assault. The Jacob Chansley fellow who didn't do any kind of attacking, in fact, asked for peace and unity on a megaphone in a fancy outfit is serving something like four years, which is interesting because the Antifa rioters who actually said that they intended to cause havoc and specifically to disrupt the democratic process, um, when they were um, sentenced, only one fellow out of, I think it was like 250, was sentenced to any time in jail. He was throwing bricks at an officer and did it several times. And um, he only served five months in prison. Um, so I don't really exactly understand why these guys are taking, you know, five and six year plea deals, but we're really waiting. I mean, the justice system is backlogged. They're saying that with COVID, everything has taken a while and blah, blah, blah. So sure. it's really mostly pretrial detention. Yeah. The COVID, uh, excuse is far gone. We are past a pandemic and they will use it to the hilt. And of course there'll be more to come. <laughs> They are brewing up something more uh, because we're, again, an election year and there is an assault going on. Well, let me ask you this, Kelly. We've only got an, another few minutes left. How can the average American citizen intercede on behalf of these political victims? What can the average person do? So I, I actually, there's a lot of theories, but I believe that if we can get these men um, lawyers uh, who can defend them in court, or at least assure them that they're not just walking down the plank with the public defenders who hate them. Um, I think we have a better chance at winning. Um, and I think that a lot of us and um, outside who are involved in a lot of other things are bringing light to the fact that the, the entire situation is corrupt. So I think in terms of helping these men in the most direct way would be donating specifically to their gives and go fundraisers. Their gives and goes not only help with their legal fees, but they also help support their families who are not only supporting a dual income house on a single income, but also affording the expensive life of jail, which is phone calls, commissary. Every time you're transferred, you have to buy clothes. And um, so it does really add up fast. And we really don't want them to get fatigued. And the whole purpose of all of this horrible treatment is to wear them down until they accept this horrible outcome and capitulate. And the, so the weaker they are, the, the more likely they are to fall for it. They're very strong men, but it's been a long 15 months. So if you want to support these men, please donate to their Give, Send, Go accounts. And John is inside of the DC jail. Um, and he knows several of the men who have public defenders who are in the most desperate need. So he has created a website, which is wearegoodmen.com. And so there are eight people on there that are in the most need right now at this moment. Either they have a trial coming up or they need to prepare for one. But um, those people are, are listed on that site. So if you kind of want to, I would just say pick one Patriot that looks like either their account balance is low or you really resonate with their story and send them what you have. And if you don't, just share their story with people that you know, um, because you'd be amazed how many Patriots like us don't actually know what's going on still. They'll, they'll listen to Steve Bannon, but they have no idea what's going on in the Jan 6 situation. So just spread the gospel. Right. So you, that website is wearegoodmen.com. And that is where the Give, Send, Go legal fund accounts can be accessed. Is that right? 
Yes. And if any of the men have written a letter, which has been published or done an interview from the jail, um, it's posted on there. I try to be as comprehensive as I can be. But if you want to get to know them in their own words to kind of see who these people are that they say are just so, you know, maligned, then please check it out, see what they have to say for themselves and who they are and why they showed up that day. And um, so it's that's also what's on the site. Sounds good. Sounds very good, Kelly. Kelly, is there any other uh, words of wisdom that you would like to share with us today? Um, I just hope that America understands that we are way outside of the bounds of legal process and we are outside of the bounds of the rule of law and the rule of law is what holds our country together. And I loved that story, uh, that interview that um, Clarence Thomas did recently at the um, American Enterprise talk. And he said, you cannot have a civil society or a free society without a stable legal system. And if we destroy the institutions that are required for a free society, we're in grave danger. And um, he, he implored us to um, just be aware of the um, the nature of what's going on in terms of the deterioration that we're that we're witnessing. So I I just I hope that we can all wake up. I know there's a million fires brewing. And so this is the fire that I'm trying to put out. But um, our justice system is very dangerous. And any one of us could be in trouble for anything that we say. And that's not freedom. That is definitely a communist coup. And um, I think I'm glad. I'm so grateful for you and people like you who are brave enough to speak up and do it publicly. So wake up America. It's time. Absolutely. Kelly, you've been fantastic. You've shed some uh, light on what's happening with these poor prisoners who are actually prisoners of war. They are being persecuted in our own country. And we have another election coming up in just a little over two years, and this certainly could happen again. So we need to fight it. Kelly, I think you have picked a tremendously good fight, and it's one that, in my opinion, has extremely high impact because the implications are just over the top, showing us what has really happened in our government, we are at war with a domestic enemy called the federal government. So Kelly, I thank you for all that you have been doing. And I thank you very much for just joining with me today. And I just pray that you keep spreading the message. And hopefully we've recruited some people who will also take up that banner with you. I don't want you feeling like you're all alone. And we certainly don't want these January 6 prisoners to feel the same. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Dr. Latulip, and thanks to your audience for listening. I really appreciate this chance. It's been my pleasure. Well, I can only conclude one thing, and that is that America will never be the same nation ever again until restitution is made to these political detainees who were used as mere pawns in the very dark political game. We must all continue to expose our fraudulent rogue federal government. We have to be willing to take down this cabal one way or another, this cabal that has deprived us of a free state. America is no longer the land of the free. Our founding fathers, if we would be honest, our founding fathers of this great nation demanded 
The blood shed by every single American soldier cries out from the ground, rise up, lest we have suffered and died in vain. And that's where we're at right now. Every single soldier of the cross should be uncompromising in our quest to simply restore the unity that once made America truly one nation under God. Let's not forget our January 6th prisoners by our silence and our inaction. Like this genuine patriot who's been speaking today, Miss Kelly Wild, who has shared these truths today, let us do our part in the fight for justice. Because otherwise, life is wasted. If we are just sitting on the fence, saying nothing, watching these things go by, and we take no action, well, what are we here for? Better to live each day for God and for our fellow man. And that is just the bottom line. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip and my special guest, Kelly Wild. Please don't be afraid to give away something of your own life from your own heart this week for the good of others, for your fellow man, because it's in the giving that we receive life. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next week. Adieu.